Welcome to the inaugural Will on MMA podcast. My name is Will Langston, here to talk about some MMA. We're going to talk about UFC 246, which is in the books. We're going to talk about where the uh, UFC rankings in each division stand as we move into 2020. And I'm going to discuss a little bit about the upcoming fights, some of the fights that uh, are on the books for the next few months, some that I'm excited about, some I'm looking forward to. So let's start with uh, UFC 246. It was the return of Conor McGregor. As you've heard by now, Conor completely had his way with Cowboy Cerrone. I, I honestly, I, I, hindsight is 2020, but I just, I never thought Cowboy stood a chance in this fight. And to see the number of people, not just experts, but other fighters picking Cowboy to win that fight was just, uh, it didn't make much sense to me. It certainly doesn't make much sense now. Cowboy didn't even land a strike. Uh, the fight lasted 40 seconds. Probably should have been more like 28. Um, but the the ref gave Cowboy every every shot to get back in that fight, and uh, and he couldn't. Uh, but just an unbelievable performance by Conor McGregor, vintage McGregor in the octagon. This was a new Conor McGregor than we've become accustomed to in the past, as far as outside the cage. And I think it's real. I'm I'm not sure that he was putting on a whole lot. I, I think, like he mentioned several times, it wasn't. You know, it, he did he did have an image to repair. He, 2019 could not have gone any worse for him. Didn't fight once. Was in trouble with the law on several occasions. So I don't know if this is a, a, a you know, Connor thinking that he's got to. Just be nice to get fans back on his side. I don't think that's it. He sounds very happy. And as Joe Rogan said, he didn't fight like a guy who's worth $200 million. He fought like a guy who was fighting to put food on the table. And it's it's going to be incredibly interesting to see who uh, who they match up with, with Connor next. I'll get to that in a bit. But this was just a, an amazing performance by Connor. Um, an amazing week. As as bad as the year 2019 went for Conor McGregor, 2020 so far, I don't think could have started any better. I mean, he is he's back, he's the man, and it's great for the UFC. It's great for the sport of mixed martial arts, and can't wait to see him back. The pay per view portion of the fight card left a bit to be desired. I, I didn't have super high expectations for it. Granted, the entire event was was cobbled together sort of last minute. The UFC was not planning to have a, a pay-per-view card in January of this year. They were planning on starting the season this week on the 25th um, in Raleigh. But Connor, towards the end of last year, said, I will make my return on January 18th in Las Vegas, a an event that was not on the schedule. The UFC put the event on the schedule. Connor was in control of this from start to finish, and uh, it couldn't have gone any better for the UFC. 
the co-main event, Holly Holm, uh, gets the win over Raquel Pennington. Um, not a super entertaining fight. Controversial. Dana White had some remarks, didn't pull any punches, so to speak, um, in his post-fight uh, press conference talking about Jason Herzog not breaking them up while they were basically in the clinch against the fence for four minutes around in that fight. But nonetheless, Holly Holm gets the decision victory, uh, her second in her career over Raquel Pennington, and uh, that was Holly Holm's first rematch. I wonder if she gets Jermaine Duran to me next. I think that would be an amazing fight. Uh, both of those women are coming off of title fight losses to Amanda Nunes. They are the top two fighters in the rankings um, in the women's bantamweight division, which I, I'll get to in a bit. But I would love to see that fight. I think uh, it would be appealing to UFC fans. I think it would be appealing to both of them as well. Lexi Olenek, the boa constrictor, just an unbelievable career this guy's had to be still doing this at the age he's at. When when they faced off, he and, and Maurice Green, who he fought, at the weigh-ins, um, I was like, Maurice Green is humongous. I mean, this dude is is like six seven. He's you know six seven, heavyweight. I was like, how the heck is Alexia Lennon going to win this fight? That's how he won it. Submission victory. Got Maurice Green on the ground and and did his thing. Um, unfortunately, the the Claudia Gadella, Alexa Grasso, fight. Um, which was supposed to be the, the second fight on the main card. It was canceled after Alexa Grasso uh, missed weight by five pounds. Um, she has since said she will be moving to flyweight uh, instead of strawweight. So a fight was moved from the early prelims, Brian Kelleher against Oday Osborne. Kelleher uh, winning that one with a submission just under three minutes into that fight. And the first fight on the main card was Anthony Pettis versus Carlos Diego Fajeda. I I didn't think that Anthony Pettis was gonna was gonna pull this one out, and he didn't. Um, I will mention that I only got two fights on the the main card right, the first and the last. I I called Connor with a TKO over Cerrone in the first round. I thought it was gonna be about four minutes in. I didn't think it was going to be 40 seconds in, but nonetheless, I did call a first-round TKO for Connor. The other one I got right was I said Diego Ferreira is going to win this fight. I I I think that Anthony Pettis, as great a career as he's had, I think he might be washed up. Um, the only win he's had in the last couple of years has been that um, incredible knockout of Wonder Boy last year. I'm wondering if that was a fluke. Um, he is four and eight in his last five years of fighting Anthony Pettis. Um, he has not had a winning streak over the past five years. Granted, over the last decade, he has fought nothing but names. He is he has beaten some some good fighters and he's lost to some good fighters. But I'm wondering if if Anthony Pettis if his time is is uh, drawing near in, in the UFC. On the other side, Diego Fajeda, fantastic performance 
I picked him for two words, Safe Saud, his coach at Fortis MMA. They are doing big things there. I think uh, Fajera and Jeff Neal are probably the two most standout fighters at that up-and-coming gym. Uh, Fajera moves up to number 11 in the lightweight rankings, and I think he's got to get a top 10 opponent next. Moving on to the, uh, the prelims, we're moving backwards. An amazing featured prelim fight. Roxanne Modafferi, the veteran, 37-year-old fighter, beats Macy Barber. Macy Barber's first loss of her career. She was a 10-to-1 favorite, which is unbelievable. She tore her ACL about 10 seconds in. So uh, that's a good excuse, but nonetheless, Roxanne looked amazing. Uh, she started the last decade with six straight losses, and what a way to start this one. There may be no uh, bigger prospect in the UFC than Macy Barber was, and for Roxanne Montefiore to beat her handily, um, torn ACL or not, was was a, a, big, a big win for Roxanne. And her going forward, I, I think she's going to get some great, great fights uh, this year. I should mention the the prelims. I expected them to be the best uh, part of the card. I thought they were stacked. I was glad to see them on ESPN for the prelims. I thought the prelim fights, other than Connor, I thought the prelim fights were were better than the uh, main card fights, uh, and and that turned out to be the case. <clears throat> Second to last on the prelims was a great fight. I thought uh, it would get fight of the night. I'm not sure if it did or not, but what a fight it was between Andre Touchyfeely and Super Sadiq Yusuf. Super Sadiq, now 4-0 in the UFC, gets the unanimous decision. When I, I thought that could that fight could have gone either way, I wasn't super impressed with Sadiq in the third round. Uh, they mentioned it on the broadcast that he looked like he might have thought that he had won the fight and kind of coasted in the third round. He did win. Um, Andre Feely, very good very good fighter. Um, I thought that was a, just a great fight. Sadiq moves up into the featherweight rankings now at number 14. Before that was a great fight in the flyweight division. The flyweights, say what you will, uh, they, they have been putting on great fights lately. Um, good. It's a great thing that this time last year, Cejudo really saved that division with that win over TJ Dillashaw because you never know what would have happened had Dillashaw won that fight. But uh, Askar Askarov put uh, Tim Elliott away in a decision. Tim Elliott, uh, it's it's unbelievable that he was even in that fight towards the end because there was a there was a point, I think it was in the first round, where Askarov hit him across the chin, and Tim Elliott actually slumped like he was about to fall flat on the ground, like he was knocked out. And came to he was he was unconscious standing for about a half a second <laughs> I, I but he fought really well it was he his pace was amazing it was really more Tim Elliott had the volume Askar Askarov had the precision um, his punches were all landing versus Tim Elliott was just throwing a lot and seeing what stuck but an impressive win for for Askarov uh, he is now uh, up to I believe number six in the in the flyweight rankings, which is a huge jump. I think he was uh, unranked, or maybe 
ranked like 12th or 13th, but he definitely deserves a top five opponent after that. Askarov, by the way, 80% death. That's very impressive because his corner is yelling things at him and, and he can't hear them. So he's literally out there on his own. Um, but another, another, lo and behold, guy from Dagestan, don't know what's in the water over there, but uh, Dagestan is putting out some, some serious fighters. The first fight on the card I was very excited about, and it lived up to the hype. Drew Dober with a huge win over a red-hot Nazrak Hackparest who was on a roll coming off back-to-back performance bonuses. And Drew Dober, two straight first-round TKOs. He knocked uh, knocked out Nazrat about a minute into the first round. And Drew Dober has quietly won seven of his last nine fights. And I think he could be in, a, in for a huge 2020. He has looked great lately. Um, I could see him moving into the ranks after his next fight and really starting to get some big fights his way. But he's looked great. He has got some serious power in that left hand for, for a lightweight. Uh, as for Nazrat, he's now 3-2 and two in the UFC, but he's really good. There was a reason that he was a huge prospect coming in, and, uh, and I think he'll be back. Uh, on the early prelims, only had two fights. Sabina Mazo looking really good against uh, J.J. Aldrich, who... She hits hard, but I'm not. I'm not quite sure how much longer we're going to see her in the UFC. Sabina Mazo's Muay Thai was just uh, really, really good. Um, I'd like to see her get a ranked opponent maybe next in in the uh, in the flyweight division. All right, so that is UFC 246. Let me talk a little bit about my thoughts on Conor McGregor. Um, he is the the talk of of MMA, and for a couple days he was the talk of the sports world I, th- I think it's really amazing that you could probably count on one hand the number of professional athletes that transcend sports and what I mean by that is people that don't particularly pay attention to that sports league or or really pay attention to sports at all they still know who that person is I think that Tiger Woods is that is that guy. I think that LeBron James is that guy. I think Tom Brady might be that guy. I think Conor McGregor is is that guy. I think he's in that conversation. Everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. Everybody knows who LeBron James is. Most people know who Tom Brady is. There are people at my office who do not watch sports that ask me how my weekend was. What did I do? I said, I watched Conor McGregor. Not only did they know who that was, but they saw that he won, and they understood what a big deal that was. I mean, for, for a mixed martial artist, I mean, Tiger Woods is a golfer, LeBron James, basketball. I mean, like, those are big sports. This is MMA. Conor McGregor really transcends this sport, and uh, it's amazing to see – you know, basically his reputation precedes him at this point, obviously, but um, just an unbelievable performance. And let me say this. I, I am all in on Conor McGregor. All in. Not not just because of this, this fight, but because of what I mentioned earlier, the lead-up to the fight, the way he has shown himself in public over the past few weeks 
the way he conducted himself all week last week. Um, he, he seems like a completely different guy. And, and, and he mentioned he's, he's the same Conor McGregor, but what changed was his level of focus and his level of commitment. And, and I buy that. I, I totally buy that. He came from, he came from absolutely nothing, had a meteoric rise in this sport, fights Floyd Mayweather, quadruples his net worth at 30 years old. I'm not sure I would have done any better than what, than what he did, all the trouble he got in. I, I, I mean, I, I can't blame him. But he got a taste of what losing it all looked like and felt like last year. And I think, I think it snapped him out of it. So if he keeps this up, if he keeps this level of commitment up, and there's nothing that, to me, says that he can't or he won't, because he's got goals. I mean, like Joe Rogan mentioned, he was fighting like a guy who had nothing, not a guy worth $200 million. He looked like a guy who had nothing to lose out there. And I think that he will keep that mentality. I think he will keep that commitment. He said before the fight that after he won, which he did, unscathed, by the way, he would party. He had been sober for two or three months. He said he was going to go make up for lost time, have a good time, rest the next day, and be back in the gym on Monday. And his coach said, sure enough, he was in the gym on Monday. I mean, he's, this guy is hungry. And a hungry Conor McGregor, a, a, a Conor McGregor that people are saying can't do something, I don't think there's anyone that he can't beat in the lightweight division or the welterweight division. And that's saying something because those two, those two divisions are stacked but people are saying he doesn't, he shouldn't fight Jorge Masvidal because Masvidal will beat him. He shouldn't fight Kamaru Usman because Kamaru Usman will beat him. He shouldn't fight Khabib again because Khabib will do the same thing that he did the last time. He shouldn't fight Justin Gaethje because Gaethje's got too much power. People have been doubting him his whole career. And he's only really lost twice. And he, and he even said... Those weren't really losses. He beat himself. He was he was drinking the week of the Khabib fight two Octobers ago. I mean, seemingly not focused at all. Nate Diaz, I, I don't know what happened, but maybe Nate just has his number. But Nate didn't look great against Jorge. I think Connor, I think Connor beats Nate easily in the trilogy fight, which is the one I hope is next, and I think makes the most sense. But I think it's the process is the reason that, that I'm all in on Connor. It's the commitment. And it's not just that he beat Cowboy Cerrone because, I mean, Cowboy Cerrone is, is no, no joke. But he's been knocked out a lot lately. And he's been fighting a lot lately. That was his fifth fight in exactly 365 days. I know it was at 170, Cowboy, that that helped him, but that makes the win even more impressive because Cowboy didn't have to cut weight. 
Cowboy was fully hydrated. Cowboy was the bigger man by a few inches. And, and Connor made him look like a five-year-old. So I think that makes it even more impressive. I mean, people were saying, a lot of people were saying that they, that they thought Cowboy was just straight up going to win. Some people I heard said Cowboy was going to win by knockout in the second or third round, which is crazy to me. I mean, most of the people that said Cowboy was going to win, their justification for that was if Cowboy can avoid the early onslaught from Connor, Connor will wear down and Cowboy's cardio will kick in and he'll have the advantage in the later rounds. He's got more weapons, he's got more tools, he's got better jujitsu. First of all, their premise of if, if he can withstand the early onslaught from Connor, nobody can do that. How many people have withstood the onslaught from Connor early? Maybe a handful? I mean, that's that's saying a lot. Cowboy couldn't Cowboy couldn't withstand the early onslaught from Justin Gaethje. So I'm not sure why people just assumed that he was going to be able to run from Connor for the first two rounds of the fight and then wear him down in the championship rounds. That didn't make much sense to me. But at least I understood the thought process. To say that Cowboy was going to beat him in the second or third round by knockout was just insane to me. I, I, I was thinking, like, there's like a 95% chance that Connor wins this fight. And there's probably like a 75% chance that he wins it in the first round. And looking back on it, that was the right thought process. And I tweeted that. I didn't, I didn't podcast it for, for everyone to see, but I did tweet it, which, which means it happened. So it was, it was the, the overall process, how good Connor looked, not just inside the cage, but, but even outside it. I, th I think he can beat Khabib. I mean, he said it. He's, he's already figured out how he beats Khabib. And, and I believe him. I mean, what, what has the guy done? What has the guy said that he has not backed up? I mean, two losses in the UFC. Nate Diaz in his first welterweight bout and Khabib who might be the best fighter in the world. If not for John Jones, Khabib is the best fighter in the world. And I, I believe Connor when he says he could beat him. I, I think Connor beats Justin Gaethje. I think Connor probably beats Tony Ferguson. I'm, I'm not sure that Khabib gets past Tony Ferguson. We'll talk about that later, but... Um, those are my thoughts on, on Conor McGregor. Again, I'm, I'm buying it. Whatever he's selling, I'm buying it. I, I think he's back. And, and I think he's back and better than ever. I think 2020 is going to be the year of Conor McGregor, and I said that before this fight, just because of the fruit we're seeing from, from the work he's been putting in. The interview that he did with Ariel Helwani in August on SportsCenter, where he basically just apologized, I mean, that was a different Conor than we had ever seen. He, as, as Poirier said, he went from apologizing to absolutely no one to apologizing to absolutely everyone. But this was even a different Connor than we saw in August. He was, he was very repentant. He was very sorrowful. And he was saying, I'm going to move on. I'm going to put this behind me, and I'm going to work, and, and I'm going to come back stronger than ever. And that's exactly what he did. So who should he fight next? There's really six options at this point. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work process of elimination here because I – think I think I've got the answer 
obviously the next logical fight for Conor McGregor is a rematch with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Dana White wants it. I mean, he said as much in the in the post-fight press conference. Conor wants it. He wants it more than anything. Khabib is, is fighting Tony Ferguson at 249 in April. Assuming that fight happens, I think Conor gets the winner. The, the reason I say assuming that fight happens is, if you don't know, this is the fifth time that that fight has been booked over the years. Either Khabib or Tony has pulled out for for weird thing it's a it's a something about Khabib and Tony fights being booked there's some weird juju to it but assuming that that fight happens i think Connor gets gets the winner of that fight for for the lightweight title the problem with that is that fight is not until mid april Khabib then takes completely off of training for Ramadan which I had to look up. It ends at the end of May. So if if Khabib goes to a full fight camp, he's probably not back until June at the earliest. Tony, if he beats Khabib, I mean, you maybe get that fight in in June. That's a that's a pretty, pretty quick turnaround for Tony in two months to go from, from beating Khabib to, to fighting Connor. But the, the timing is weird because... Connor said he wants to be back before the summer. I take the summer as meaning June or July, so he wants to be back before that. Well, the, the problem with that is it's got to be a pay-per-view fight. And the UFC basically has their pay-per-view schedule booked through May. I'll talk about that in a minute, but they've got Jones versus Reyes for February and Shevchenko Chukagin. In March, they just this past week they booked Adesanya versus Romero and Zhang Weili versus Joanna. In April, they've got Khabib Tony. In May, they're in Brazil. There's no way Connor's going down there, and that's probably going to be Cejudo versus Aldo, which makes no sense. But that's probably what's going to happen. What they could do is what they did this past time. The UFC has proven that they can make a pay-per-view up out of nowhere. Where they put it is the question. Where they put it on the on the on the calendar, because they would they would have to book two in one month. And if you if you book an additional pay-per-view every month, you're hurting the other pay-per-view because a lot of people aren't going to buy both of them. I think that's what they got to do, though. Let me tick off a couple more of these names everybody wants Jorge Masvidal to fight Conor McGregor next arguably the two biggest stars in the sport right now after Jorge's unbelievable 2019 everybody's saying Jorge would win that fight I don't think so that would be an amazing fight but it's no sure thing that Jorge would win that fight an interesting and a very very interesting take that I heard from the folks at MMA fighting this week was Connor versus Jorge for the inaugural 165 division belt. And I never thought about that. You bump welterweight up to 175 and then put a 165 in there. And I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever thought about it, but every division from strawweight 
to lightweight is every 10 pounds. And then it goes 15 to welterweight and 15 to middleweight. And then 20 to light light heavyweight, which may, which is fine. That makes sense. And then it jumps to heavyweight. I'm not sure why they don't just make a 165-pound division because there are so many guys that jump between 155 and 170 these days. And some guys who jump from, from 185 to 170 and back and forth. It would be amazing um, if <laughs> if they would have that division in the first place. Because lightweight and welterweight are stacked. They would have no problem filling that division up and keeping the other two very much, you know, the top, probably the top two divisions in the sport. It doesn't seem like Connor wants the Masvidal fight. Uh, it, it also seems like Jorge has moved on a bit. Seems like Jorge and Kamara Usman is the next fight uh, for the welterweight belt. Uh, the other thing is, I'm not sure that a fight with Masvidal helps Connor all that much. Unless Masvidal holds the welterweight belt, which he very well could, and I think he probably, I think he probably beats Usman. Uh, unless Jorge has that belt, I don't see any benefit for Conor McGregor. It's what the fans want, but it seems like that's about it. Connor could fight Usman for the welterweight belt. Connor hasn't said a word about this. I'm not sure if that's because he doesn't want it. That's what a lot of people think. I hear people saying that Usman's style as as more of a, a wrestler, very, I mean, elite wrestler, that's also got a good amount of power in his hands, is unsuitable for Connor. I'm not buying that. Uh, Usman, lest we forget, almost lost to Colby Covington, he who shall not be named. I'm I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how Usman beats Connor, but but that's just me. I, I think, I think Jorge and Usman are are destined for each other next, and th that's going to be a huge fight. So no Khabib, no Tony, no Jorge, no Usman, in my opinion. Going into 2020, the question was, what about Connor and Justin Gaethje? I I, I think. I think that'd be a great fight. I think Connor I think Connor wins, but Gaethje is legit. I mean Gaethje Gaethje's last fight, he put Cowboy down quick. Uh Gaethje's had he had an unbelievable twenty nineteen. I think he's in line for a title shot. If not his next fight, potentially the following fight. If I think Gaethje should have been Connor's return fight. Again, like the Jorge fight, I'm not sure how this fight would help Connor. And throwing in the fact that Justin's manager is Ali Abdelaziz, who is Khabib's manager, who they hate each other. I don't think Connor wants to, to get back in that den of lions very soon. That leaves everyone's boy, Nate Diaz. This this is this has got to be the fight. It has to be the fight. Connor wants it. Nate wants it. The timing works perfectly if the UFC adds a pay-per-view. Connor said multiple times that he wants to get that trilogy fight in. I'm sure Nate wants it. Nate is all all fixed from from his fight with 
with Masvidal. I think that the UFC has got to add a pay-per-view for the spring of Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor 3 headlining. It's It's got to happen. I think that's the next fight. All right, let's talk about the uh, UFC rankings going into into 2020. Pound for pound. John Jones still at the top. He fights Dominic Reyes in the next pay-per-view in February. I think he wins that one. Number two, Khabib Nurmagomedov. You could make a good argument that he is the best the best fighter in the world. Uh, the guy grew up wrestling bears. So, yeah. <clears throat> Number three, Henry Cejudo, triple C. About to become double C. He got stripped of his flyweight title uh, due to inactivity. He is probably going to fight Jose Aldo in Brazil in May on the pay-per-view. We'll see about that. I'm not sure how much sense that makes. Number four, baddest man on the planet, Stipe Miocic, coming off that win over Daniel Cormier at 241. There's talk that Stipe needs another eye surgery, a second eye surgery. Cormier is waiting for for the trilogy fight and and has made no bones about it. And, and Miocic is willing to give it to him, it sounds like. So the heavyweight division may just be on pause until that happens because the UFC wants that to happen. Both fighters want it to happen. I don't think they do a, I don't think they do a uh, an interim title fight there at odds with with Francis and Ghana. We'll talk about the heavyweight division. Number five, Amanda Nunes. I think she should be number three because she is the greatest women's fighter ever. Uh, you could make a case for Chris Cyborg who fights tomorrow against Julia Budd. If, if Cyborg beats Julia Budd, which I think she probably will, that will be her fourth belt, uh, her, her fourth promotion that she's held a belt in, which is unprecedented. I mean, it's unbelievable. But Amanda Nunes is legit. I mean, that's an understatement. She's, she is probably the best female fighter in the history of female fighters. Cormier is at number six. I don't, I don't feel great about that. Israel Adesanya is number seven. I think that's about right. Kamara Usman is number eight. I think that's right. Volkanovski is number nine after his uh, win over Max Holloway at 245. Tony Ferguson, they've got at number 10. And uh, the biggest mover in the pound-for-pound rankings is McGregor is up from from 13 to number 11 this week uh, after his win over Cowboy. Valentina Shevchenko is at number 12. I mentioned Amanda Nunes should be probably moved up two spots, in my opinion. I think Shevchenko should probably be moved up two spots. To put two non-champions, I know that it's Tony Ferguson and Conor McGregor, but to put two two non-champions above a dominant champion in Valentina Shevchenko, I'm not sure about that. That's, That's how I would do it. Max Holloway comes in at number 13, followed by Dustin Poirier and Tyron Woodley. So those are the pound-for-pound pound rankings going into 2020. Flyweights. Interesting division. Belt up for grabs. That's going to be Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueroa for the vacant belt on February 29th. That's Leap Day in Norfolk, Virginia. 
Uh, that'll be a great fight. Juicy Formiga is number two, by the way. Benavides is number one. Figueroa is number three. Juicy Formiga, number two, fights number five. Brandon Moreno on March 14th in Brazil. Uh, Askar Askarov moved up from number 12 to number six after his win over number 10, Tim Elliott, this past week. Um, we've got Kai Car France coming off his decision loss to Brandon Moreno at 245. He's got Tyson Ham on February 23rd in the New Zealand card, which is his home country. Uh, Matt Snell, Schnell, excuse me, lost to Alexander Pontoyo at uh, the Edgar Korean Zombie card on December 21st. He's at number nine. And then to round out the division, Jordan Espinosa, number 11, takes on number 12. Alex Perez on January 25th. That's tomorrow. And number 13, Mark De La Rosa takes on Rillian Paiva on February 15th in New Mexico. Over to the Bantamweights. Henry Cejudo still has this belt. Potentially, Jose Aldo, who is number eight in the rankings. I, I think it is completely ludicrous to give Jose Aldo, who is probably the greatest featherweight fighter of all time, a title shot in his second fight at the weight class coming off of a loss to number one contender Marlon Moraes last month at 245. I think it's ludicrous, particularly given that there are three guys, Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan, and Corey Sanhagen, who are very deserving of a title shot. Aljamain Sterling is number two. He's on a four-fight winning streak, and those were over number six, number seven, and number 11. Piotr Jan is 14-1, and one, just beat Uriah, just dominated Hall of Famer Uriah Faber, and is on a nine-fight winning streak. And number four, Corey Sanhagen, who is 12-1, who just beat number five, Rafael Asuncio, at 241 in Anaheim. Those three guys are way deserving of a title shot, particularly over Jose Aldo. I just, I don't get the logic there. Cejudo called him out after he lost to Marais, which he's taking some flack for. I, I don't get it. Uh, number five, Asuncio is fighting uh, an old familiar face, Cody Garbrandt. Number nine on March 28th in Columbus, Ohio. Jimmy Rivera, number seven, was supposed to fight against Cheeto Vera um, this upcoming weekend, but got pulled. And uh, I think that's all I want to talk about with the Bantamweights. Featherweight division might be the most interesting weight class going into 2020. I mean, it's fascinating. Like Brett Ogomoro said, if, if I had to pick one weight class to watch in 2020, it might be this one. That was before Conor McGregor showed what he showed. But just listen to this this division. So we've got Alexander Volkanovsky, who is now on like a, I don't know, like a 20-fight winning streak or something like that, something stupid. Just beat Max Holloway at uh, 245 in December. 
I, I thought he was going to win that fight. He did win that fight. Does he get an immediate rematch? You can make the case because other than Jose Aldo, Max Holloway is probably the greatest featherweight of all time. He's in that conversation. I don't know if he's going to get an immediate rematch. We'll see. Brian Ortega, his last fight was a loss to Max Holloway at the end of 2018. He was supposed to replace, uh, excuse me, he was supposed to fight Korean Zombie in South Korea in the last UFC event of 2019. He got injured, was replaced by Frankie Edgar, who was a mess. Uh, Edgar got completely owned by the Korean Zombie. And, and much like the Bantamweight division, uh, the Featherweight division has got three guys who are very deserving of a title shot. Number three, Zabit Magomed Sharapov is 18-1, including wins over Calvin Cater and Jeremy Stevens in his last two. Number four is Chan Sung Jung, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie. He is 16-5, is in a resurgence in his career. In the UFC, he has beat Dustin Poirier, Renato Moicano, Frankie Edgar. He's only lost in the UFC to number five, Yair Rodriguez. And Jose Aldo. I think their Korean Zombie needs to get a title shot sometime this year. And like I mentioned, number five, Yair Rodriguez. Coming off that uh, big Jeremy Stevens win, he beat the Korean Zombie. He beat BJ Penn. He beat Andre Feely. He beat Dan Hooker. Uh, has only lost in the UFC to Frankie Edgar. He's 13-2. and two. Those three guys, Zabit, Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, very deserving of a title shot. I, I think th those three, plus Volkanovski and Holloway, are what make this division so interesting. Frankie Edgar's at number six. He needs to take a break. Uh, he totally screwed Corey Sanhagen over because Frankie Edgar moved down to Bantamweight to fight Corey Sanhagen, comes back up to fight Korean Zombie when Brian Ortega sits out. Corey Sanhagen was supposed to fight tomorrow. Instead, no longer on the card because Frankie Edgar m moved back up after he said he was going to move down. Whatever. He needs to take a break. Um, Renato Moicano, number seven. He's beaten Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, Cub Swanson. However, he has lost uh, recently to Korean Zombie, Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega. Uh, number eight, Jeremy Stevens coming off that loss to Yair Rodriguez. He uh, gets Calvin Cater next. I think that's a great fight. That's like the Spider-Man meme gif of the two Spider-Mans looking at each other. They have very, very similar fighting styles. Uh, number nine, number nine, Josh Emmett. I had to look for a second because Jose Aldo is also listed as number nine, even though he's moved down to uh, Bantamweight. Um, Josh Emmett was supposed to fight Arnold Allen tomorrow, which I was very interested in because those are two guys who... Uh, are, are on hot streaks. Uh, unfortunately, Josh Emmett had to pull out of that fight against Arnold Allen. I uh, don't know when we'll see him next. Arnold Allen is number 15. He gets Nick Lentz tomorrow. Uh, Arnold Allen is good. I, I expect him to win that fight, and I, and I think he may be in store for a big, big 2020 as well. On to the lightweights. 155, probably the best probably the best division in the UFC, both from a talent 
perspective and from a depth perspective. I mean, these guys, these guys, this division is loaded. Obviously, Khabib Nurmagomedov is the champion. He gets number one contender Tony Ferguson at UFC 249 on April 18th in Brooklyn. Number two, Dustin Poirier. We don't know what his next fight is. He's coming off that loss to Khabib. Uh, number three, Conor McGregor. He moved up from number four after this past week. We don't know what his next fight will be. Um, fingers crossed that it's going to be Nate Diaz. Uh, number four, Justin Gaethje. We don't know what his next fight's going to be. Number five, Donald Cerrone. Uh, that's where he was before this fight. I, I I heard it from somewhere, but I think he should fight Anthony Pettis next. Anthony Pettis is is in rough shape. Um, can't seem to can't seem to buy a win. Both of them coming off of uh, of back to back losses. I think it would be a great fight. They could do it at one seventy. Uh, neither of them would have to cut weight. I think that'd be a great fight. Number six, Paul Felder versus number seven, Dan Hooker. Main event, February 23rd in New Zealand. Number eight, Kevin Lee. Just announced will fight number 13, Charles Dubronx Oliveira on March 14th in Brazil. That'll be the fight night main event. Really looking forward to that one. Kevin Lee had a disgusting knockout over previously undefeated number 12, Gregor Gillespie at 244. Uh, Kevin Lee might be back in a big way. Um, He also wants to fight number 14, Islam Makachev. Makachev wants that fight as well. Um, I think that's probably both of their next fights against one another, assuming that Kevin Lee can get past Charles Oliveira, who holds the UFC record for most submission victories. The guy is lethal. Uh, number nine, Ally Quinta. He's in a bit of a rough patch. Uh, he, he's had a great career. He's beat Kevin Lee twice. He beat Jorge Masvidal a few years ago. He's beat Diego Sanchez. But in his last four fights, Iaquinta lost to Dan Hooker, lost to Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, got murdered by Cowboy Cerrone last year. Uh, beat Kevin Lee and then lost uh, to Khabib. That was in, that was in reverse order. Um had to had to step in uh, to fight Khabib after I believe it was Holloway uh, got removed due to injury. Don't know what's next for Ally Quinta. Number ten, Edson Barbosa coming off that loss to Paul Felder. Uh, he's lost four of his last five. He has fought everyone. The dude has had an incredible career. Lost to Felder, lost to Gaethje, beat Dan Hooker, lost to Kevin Lee, lost to Khabib. Those were his last five fights. Number 11, Diego Ferreira, just coming off that big win over Anthony Pettis, moving up into the rankings at number 11. Uh, what's next for him? He might he might have a big year. I, I think he definitely deserves somebody in the top 10. Maybe Iaquinta? That fight might make sense. All right, that's it for the lightweights. Let's go up to probably the second most loaded division, I would think. The welterweights. Kamara Usman, thankfully, beat Colby Covington at 245. Uh, Not only did he beat him, he beat him in the best way possible. Colby Covington just runs his freaking mouth. 
Usman broke his jaw, so hopefully Covington has had his jaw wired shut for quite a while now. Uh, Usman maybe fighting Jorge Masvidal next? Question mark, question mark. I think that's probably the fight to make. That would be a big fight. That would be a huge fight. Probably would ha have to happen sometime this summer. Like I mentioned Colby Covington is injured. Hopefully he'll just quit and we never hear from him again. Just announced uh, a week or two ago, number one, Tyron Woodley versus number four, Leon Edwards. Main event for UFC Fight Night London on March 21st. Very interested to see that one. Winner of that fight probably gets a title fight next. I would think it's probably Usman Masvidal. And then winner of Woodley Edwards gets the winner of Usman Masvidal. Number five, Rafael Dos Anjos fights Michael Chiesa tomorrow in the co-main event at UFC Raleigh. I think RDA probably wins that one. I, I, I like Michael Chiesa a lot. I think he's very good coming off that win over uh, Diego Sanchez. But I think, I think RDA is probably going to win that one. Number six, Damian Maia fighting Gilbert Burns, March 14th in Brazil. Damian Maia coming off that uh, big win over Ben Askren, Ben the Bum Askren, in, I believe it was Singapore, maybe? I'm, I can't remember where that, where that fight was. Number seven, Stephen Thompson. Don't know what his next fight is. Coming off that impressive win over Vicente Luque at 244. Nate Diaz, number eight. Hopefully he gets Connor next. Number nine, Robbie Lawler. Coming off that loss to Colby Covington, don't know what's in his future. Number 10, Jeff Neal, doing big things. He is a huge up-and-comer in this division. Don't know what his next fight is, but it's going to be must-watch. Uh, coming off that big win over Platinum Mike Perry at UFC 244 in November. Actually, I think that was 245 in December. Mention Anthony Pettis at number 11. Uh, Conor McGregor cracking the ranks of the welterweights at number 14. Not sure if that's a bit controversial. I would take Conor over most of these guys in this division. Like I said, I think he can probably beat anyone. But interesting to see that name in there in Conor's third career weight class. Moving up to the middleweights. Champion. Superstar. Israel Adesanya. He fights Yoel Romero, who is yoked at UFC 248 in Las Vegas, Nevada on March 3rd. That's going to be a huge fight. Nobody wants to fight Yoel Romero. Nobody. Israel, after he beat Robert Whitaker, uh, he called out Paulo Costa. That was the fight to make. Costa gets injured, so he... Instead, chooses Yoel Romero, who's next in line. Uh, I'd love to see Paulo Costa fight Israel Adesanya. I think that's probably the next fight after Yoel, assuming that Israel can can get through Yoel Romero, which I think he can. Uh, Robert Whitaker was supposed to come back and fight number four, Jared Cannonier. Robert Whitaker is the number one contender. Obviously, Bobby Knuckles was the champion before Adesanya dethroned him at the end of last year. 
Whitaker was supposed to fight number four Jared Cannonier at UFC 248. Had to pull out for personal reasons. Not sure what's going on with him, but Jared Cannonier is left without a dance partner. Maybe number five Darren Till. Till wanted to fight Whitaker. I, I mean, if Till wants to move up in the rankings, if if Till wants to get a title shot, I mean, probably if if Till and Cannonier fought. I think the winner of that fight probably gets a title fight after Israel Romero or Israel Costa. That would be an interesting fight. Jack Hermanson coming off that loss. Uh, Calvin Gastelum coming off a loss to Darren Till. Uh, Number eight, Derek Brunson fights number nine, Edmund the Golden Boy Shabazian. UFC 248, same card as Israel and Yoel, that's going to be a huge fight. Edmund Shabazian is the real deal. The real deal. Cannot wait to see that one. Not that Derek Brunson is, is a gatekeeper by any means. Beat, beat Ian Heinish uh, recently, but if, if Edmund Shabazian can beat Derek Brunson, that puts him on a fast track to a title shot. Big time. I think that's all I want to talk about in the middleweights. Let's move up to the John Jones division, light heavyweight. He takes on Dominic Reyes in a couple of weeks at UFC 247 on the 8th of February in Houston. Both of those guys are undefeated. Well, John is unbeaten. Let's let's put it that way. I think John Jones wins that fight. Uh, if 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 Dominic Reyes can't beat John Jones, I don't think there's anyone in the light heavyweight division who can beat John Jones. I think I think if he beats Dominic Reyes, he needs to move up to heavyweight. I think it's time. I think he's got to go for it. If there was ever a time to move up, it would be after he beats Dominic Reyes. He's beat Tiago Santos. He's beat Daniel Cormier twice. He's beat Anthony Lanhart Smith. He's beat Dominic Reyes. I don't think Corey Anderson or Jan Blahowitz, who are fighting the week after in New Mexico, which is John's backyard, I don't think either of them are deserving of a title shot. If either of them are, it's probably Corey Anderson, and there's a beef there. He's already beat Alexander Gustafson. I'm just going down the list. He's already beat Gustafson. He's already beat Volkan Uzdemir. I mean, and there's nobody else that, that's deserving of a title shot right now. John is is on the Mount Rushmore of, of the UFC. Uh, I just don't know that there's anything left for him to do in this division. If he just wants to keep beating guys that, you know, work their way up, it's it's not a great division, I don't think. Um, you know, there's some guys like, like Johnny Walker and, uh, well, just really just Johnny Walker who are kind of making their way up, uh, although he, he lost bad to Corey Anderson at, at 244. Johnny Walker, by the way, fighting Nikita Krilov on March 14th in his home, Brazil. And I think that's all I want to talk about in the light heavyweights. Yeah. Let's move on up. Stipe Miacic. We've already talked about him in D.C. They are waiting for each other. And, and by waiting for each other, D.C. is waiting for Stipe's eye to heal up. Number two, Francis Ngannou, the Predator. 
this guy, I'm saying it. He is the scariest man on the planet. Francis Ngannou had a ginormous 2019. I think he had like a minute and a half of cage time. He puts people away quick. I don't see how he does not win the heavyweight title in the UFC. I, I think he I think he can beat Stipe. I think he can beat DC. I mean, Stipe has already beaten Francis Ngannou, but not this Francis Ngannou. Not this one. Francis Ngannou's only two UFC losses are to Derek Lewis and Stipe Miocic. And, and I think Francis wins both of those fights today, probably in the first round. He, he's just unbelievable. If I, if I had any cojones, I would put Francis Ngannou as a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter right now in the world. And if I lost my mind a little bit, I might put him top five. I think he's that good. I just don't, I just don't see anybody beating him. Number three versus number four happens tomorrow. Curtis Blades versus Junior Cigano Dos Santos in UFC Raleigh. I think the winner of that one, well, let me, I think if Curtis Blades wins, he might get a title shot next. The problem with Francis Ngannou is he and the UFC have a real beef. I, I don't know why, but, but they do. And the UFC needs to get over it. They, they need to realize what they have with Francis Ngannou and get over it. Francis Ngannou needs a title shot. He's fighting Jairzinho Rosenstroike, who was a breakout fighter in 2019. His first four fights in the UFC, all knockouts. They're fighting on March 28th in the main event of UFC Columbus, Ohio fight night. Winner of that, I think, should get the next title shot. If Ngannou wins, he's got to get the next title shot. If Blades beats Dos Santos and Jairzinho Rosenstroik beats Francis Ngannou somehow. I think I think if that I think if if Rosenstroik beats Ngannou, he's got to get the next title shot. But I could see a scenario where Curtis Blades wins, Jairzinho Rosenstroik wins, which I don't think he will. They fight for a number 1 contender. It's interesting. It's really interesting at the top of the heavyweight division. Uh Rosenstroik is number five. Number six is Derek Lewis. He fights Ilir Latifi, who makes his heavyweight debut at 247 in Houston. That is where Derek Lewis lives. So I think he's the hometown favorite there. Number seven, Alexander Volkov coming off that win over Greg Hardy. Number eight, Alistair Overeem coming off that loss to Jairzinho Rosenstroik in the literally the closing seconds of a five-round fight. Uh, number nine, Walt Harris. He did away with uh, legend number 12, Alexi Olenek. Uh, <clears throat> last year. And then he was supposed to fight Alistair Overeem instead of Jairzinger Rosenstroik. Unfortunately, his stepdaughter went missing and they found her a few weeks later. 
So still waiting on Walt Harris to get back. Obviously, just a horrible, horrible situation.